You're listening to Rates and Lanes with Rico Mohammed. This is the show where we improve your knowledge of the freight market, improve your bottom line, and improve the transportation industry as a whole. We're talking Rates and Lanes. Let's move on down the audio road. Good evening, everyone. This is Rico Mohammed coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia. Apologize for not being able to get on with you guys last week. Uh, hopefully, I tried to post a little bit of information. Hopefully, uh, things didn't, didn't miss me too much. We want to try to make that as less of an occurrence as possible. Tonight, we uh, will be joined by, I call him our resident mentor. Chuck Snow will be joining us tonight. Uh, so if you have any questions for Chuck, a little bit later on, he'll be jump, dropping in with us. If you have any questions that you would like to ask or whatever, you can go ahead and press number one. We're going to try to get uh, our call screener in place to get some of those questions, get you guys uh, screened in and get you in position to ask your questions. Tonight, I'm going to start off the show a little bit differently than what we normally do. Um, we're going to go and look at some information that I think is really critical to a lot of us guys that have our own authority, and we may be out here uh, running some spot market freight. And with spot market freight, you know, you're dealing with brokers, and you have the risk of running into uh, potentially bad brokers or whatever. And so I'm going to start off tonight with some credit information about a couple of brokers that have kind of made the news that are on the radar for having their um, – having their either their bonds revoked or they are showing really, really high credit risk. So if you got a pen and paper, now would be a good time to maybe take some of these names uh, down of some of these different brokerage companies and also even trucking companies and shippers are also on this list. Uh, I don't think that I have a way to create a link to try to get you a copy of this list, so I'm just going to try to read off a few of them that's um, – critical that stuff happened over the last month or two. And starting out, I guess, on the, the list of shame is a company called Tenant Truck Lines. Uh, MC number 146754. They have over $37,000 in non-payment complaints reported to uh, this industry's website. GRS Brokerage LLC, GRS Logistics, Inc., MC number 761962, over $14,000 in non-payment complaints. Professional Shipping, LLC, MC number 865904. FMCSA shows trust fund canceled over over $8,000 in non-payment, high risk. MC number, um, the next one is JAD Freight Services, MC number 527673. Over 33,000 in non-payment complaints. Alliance Export Freight, LLC. Now, as part of your load board, if you have a load board, as part of your load board, some of this information should be showing up uh, by either the company name or MC. They're definitely up under the MC number. Uh, They may have resolved their issues, but every time that you get ready to part of your negotiating when you first, when someone very first gives you a call and you are you calling someone and you're interested in doing a load that they may have, this should be part of your vetting process. You should begin to look at them pulling up their MC number, just like they ask you when you call in, well, what's your MC number or whatever. They're doing a process of looking, in, looking into you and starting to vet you. 
And you have to do, as a business owner, you have to start beginning to do the same thing. This is, um, and if you guys are happen to be using someone else that is doing your dispatching for you or something like that, um, I know that there are a couple of dispatching services that are out there. You know my stance on that one, but if you happen to, you want to make sure that they are doing this process correctly so that you are not the one ultimately left holding the bag with someone that is not, you, you cannot get your money from. Um, I can't stress how critically important that that part of the aspect is that you make sure that you're doing this vetting, that you're looking up these brokers and, and different companies by their MC numbers, making sure that their their trust fund is still intact and that it's still valid, that they, they, they haven't been canceled by the FMCSA. Because a lot of these guys, um, as you can see with this last company that I read off, um, and it actually it was two of them, over $30,000 of, of non-payment complaints. Uh, it doesn't take a long time for for that to rack up over a period of time. So you want to make sure that you're not being, you're not going to be one of the people that gets bit and, and looking for um, payment from a company that doesn't have the ability or is not paying or outright flat out stealing money uh, off of the sweat of your brow. You already are at a disadvantage um, to a degree anyway, so you want to make sure that you're dealing with good, reputable, and, and solid companies. Uh, so I'm going to start back over with this last one I was reading off. Jade Freight Services, MC number 527673, over $33,000 in non-payment uh, complaints. Alliance Export Freight, LLC, MC number 833559, FMCA Shows Trust Fund Council, over $14,000 in non-payment complaints. Um, Next one is Freight Trans LLC, and and these are, ladies and gentlemen, these are reports that have that have happened within the last two months. Um, I'm I'm going back as far as the last two months. I'm not I'm, I wasn't going back too too far, but uh, I know that sometimes when you're billing and you may be looking at you, you may be looking at your accounts receivable, and you may see somebody maybe getting out there in that thirty to forty five day range. I want to make sure that none of these guys happen to be, if you happen to be listening in, that none of these people make your make on your list. This next one that I'm getting ready to talk about has a large one. They have exceeded their bond limit. Uh, Wings of Wings of Eagles Logistics LLC, MC number six six seven, FMCSA shows trust fund counsel over one hundred and twenty one thousand dollars in non-payment complaints. So this is some of the information that, that I'm, you know, I'm talking about with you guys, and, and this is, um, you know, when you're signing to do business with most brokers, they have clauses in their contracts that you waive your right of remedy uh, to be able to recourse back to the shipper. Now, this will be a great question. I have to make this uh, a note to myself when we have seating on when these situations happen. Can you super? Is there a way to actually supersede that in, in some of these contracts? But those, those, these are some of the situations that you have to deal with. That you make sure that you're doing a complete vetting process before you take and book some of these loads from uh, some of these fly by night. Well, I'm not even going to call them fly by night. You know, people most times I'm going to err on the side of most people have the best intentions. Not sure exactly what what happened with some of these situations. I'm just reporting what what is. Uh, being shown on their record as of right now. And that's going to wrap it up for the report for the previous two months. I'm going to see if there's a way that I can 
either create a link or maybe even do a screenshot. I want to make sure I get permission to share this information on a public uh, public forum before I do it um, as far as the, the printed information. But you, if you have the MC numbers, you have the names of the freight companies, by all means, make sure that you're checking this against um, and your load board should have a service where you can do credit checks. Or if you're using a factoring company, they should be able to do credit checks for you for free uh, as, as part of your service if you're using a factoring company. So make sure that you are doing that bit of the process before you just accept the load, sign contract, sign rate confirmation, and go off running, and you're doing work for free at the end of the day. Just want to provide that word of caution. And now we're going to jump back into our regularly scheduled program, and we're going to talk about this week's DAT trend lines report for February the 28th through March 5th. National spot market rates edged up in the first week of March following a slow February. Low postings rose 12%, which contributed to higher demand for van, reefers, and flatbeds all across the board. This week, we're going to take a look right now at the U.S. van demand and capacity report. Van load postings increased 12% last week, and truck postings decreased 2%, boasting the, the load-to-truck ratio from 1.4 up to 1.6 loads per truck. The national average van rate increased $0.02 cents from the previous week. Time last month, van load postings had fallen 17% in February. When compared to January, truck postings increased 13%, which dropped the load-to-truck ratio from 1.9 down to 1.4 loads per truck compared to February of 2015. The ratio was down by 47%. So let's look at the U.S. band rates for the week of February the 28th through March 5th. And the national average band rates rose two cents up to $1.56 per mile on average. Outbound rates rose in the Los Angeles markets, but fell in the Atlanta markets. The national uh, diesel price was $2.02 per gallon. That's up $0.03 cents from last week. Taking a quick look around the country, in the northeastern portion of the United States, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania reports an average rate for dry vans coming in at $1.69 per mile. Moving down into the southeastern portion of the United States, Atlanta, Georgia checks in showing an average rate for dry vans at $1.55 per mile. Setting the high water mark, actually tying the high water mark, the midwestern portion of the United States, Chicago, Illinois, shows an average rate for dry vans at $1.77 per mile. Coming in in the south central portion of the United States, we have Dallas, Texas, showing $1.47 per mile on average for dry vans. Coming out of the City of Angels, the co-leader in the Bourne House, showing an average rate for dry vans at $1.77 per mile. Taking a look, moving on over into the flatbed segment of the report, for this week of uh, February 28th through March 5th, Flatbed load volume rose 13%. Capacity declined by 4% for an 18% increase in the load-to-truck ratio. 
The national average flatbed rate rose three cents last week, up to a dollar and eighty-three cents per mile. Looking back at this time last month, flatbed load postings rose thirty-three percent in February compared to the previous month. Capacity also increased ten percent. As a result, the load to truck ratio for the month rose twenty-one percent from eight point six up to ten point four loads per truck compared to February of twenty fifteen. Ratio was down by 11%. So we're going into good good times and good seasons for oversized flatbeds and uh, step decks. You know, this is springtime. Stuff is freight starting to move. Construction's getting underway. So we're going to start to see a good bit of increase with the flatbed over the next come over the next coming weeks. Let's look and see how the rates were performing for flatbeds. On the spot market this week, flatbed spot market rates rose three cents last week to a national average of dollar eighty three, added eighteen percent and fourteen point one eight uh fourteen point eight loads per truck nationally as a national average. The rates this week coming out of Harrisburg in the northeastern portion of the United States, setting the high water mark, two dollars and eighteen two dollars and eighty nine cents per mile coming out of the um, northeastern portion of the United States. Moving down into the southeastern portion of the United States, Atlanta, Georgia, checks in showing average rate for flatbeds at $2.05 per mile. Moving up into the midwestern portion of the United States, Rock Island checks in showing an average rate of $2.37 per mile for flatbeds. Moving down into the south central portion of the United States, Houston, Texas checks in shows an average of a dollar and seventy six cents per mile for flatbeds. And out west, uh, <clears throat> coming in last this time around, uh, Phoenix, Arizona is checking in showing an average rate of flatbeds moving at a dollar and fifty six cents per mile. And let's see here, going jumping over into the U.S. reefer demand and capacity report. For the week of the 28th, February 28th through March 5th, reefer loads postings were up 10%, and truck postings fell 2% last week. As a result, the load-to-truck ratio increased 12% from 2.8 up to 3.1 loads per truck. The national average reefer rate increased $0.01 up to $1.80 per mile on the spot market. This time last month, reefer load postings declined 27% in February compared to the previous month, and truck postings rose 12%. As a result, the load-to-truck ratio fell 35% from 4.5 down to 3 point, to three loads per truck. Compared to the demand of February 20, 2015, the ratio was down 62% taking a look at the rates to see how rates performed over the week of the 28th through March 5th. Reefer spot market rates rose one cent last week up to $1.80 per mile due to the one cent increase in the average fuel surcharge. Compared to the previous week, the load-to-truck ratio increased 12%. Taking a look around the country at rates in different segments of the country, northeastern portion of the United States, Elizabeth, New Jersey checks in showing rates of reefers moving at a dollar fifty five cents per mile on average. Down into Florida, Lakeland, Florida, coming out of the southeastern portion of the United States, we have 
reefer rates reporting in at a dollar twenty nine cents per mile on average. Jumping up into the Midwest, once again, Green Bay, Wisconsin leads the charge two dollars and fifty one cents on average coming out of Green Bay, Wisconsin in the Midwestern portion of the United States. Jumping down into the Rio Grande, and we're starting to see a good bit of movement. So this number um, kind of surprised me that it's not a little bit higher. But um, coming out of the Rio Grande, McAllen, Texas, showing average rate for reefers at a dollar eighty cents per mile. And also this number kind of surprised me as well. Coming out of the West Coast, average rate coming out of Fresno, California, showing a dollar seventy eight cents per mile. Um, the reason that those numbers kind of surprised me, I guess the next report that we're going to jump into, the USDA report, will uh, talk about that a little bit. But we're starting to see um, some movements in, in a lot of the traditional um, heavy reefer markets. Um, maybe because, okay, this kind of explains it. The USDA report is showing that all of those markets are either showing a slight surplus or showing an outright surplus of trucks. So that might be why the rates are still depressed in those areas. We don't have any markets that are showing uh, any shortages or slight shortages. Um, so once again, I will be putting links to both of these reports. Uh, the the uh, DAT Trendline report should already be up and on board on the uh, up on our website and on the Race and Lanes Facebook page. And without any further ado, I see we got a couple people got their hands up and got some questions. But before I jump into anything else, I want to bring on, uh, I call him our resident mentor, Mr. Chuck Snow. Let's get Chuck up and on board with us. Chuck, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Rico? Oh, man, I can't. I cannot complain. How was your holiday? It was fantastic. I spent 10 beautiful days in your country. <clears throat> And I drove from, uh, don't want to bore you guys, but I drove from Toronto to Cleveland to Nashville to New Orleans. Kind of a musical tour. And you got a great country. Uh, Phenomenal trip. Cool, cool. I know know what you had for you down in store down there in New Orleans. That's that's getting a little little jazz in your system there, Chuck. Oh, yeah. Uh, Phenomenal music. Really a, uh, a great trip. But it's always good to be back. Cool. cool. So um, what's new? What's going on with you guys up, up at Traffics? Well, you know what? We're busy. The uh, things are picking up. Uh, I was sorry to hear about uh, at the start of the show when I called in about some of the brokers that are having a hard time. I don't think anybody likes the to wallace. see that because somebody's always getting hurt. Uh, if I can give some advice to to our listeners out there, if you're, I'm not a big proponent of factoring. Um, you know, if you don't have to, for God's sakes, don't do it. It's a very expensive way of, of financing. However, um, one of the things you can do is if you can make an arrangement with a factoring company to factor some of your receivables, not all of them, the ones that you want to factor, even if it's a higher rate on a non-recourse basis that means that you'll pay a higher rate but hell or high water if the if the broker or the customer doesn't pay uh it's no skin off of your back and you were saying about the load boards checking the credit uh on those load boards 
I have found that's quite often not accurate. I've seen people, as a matter of fact, I've seen bankrupt companies that were on there that had phenomenal credit ratings. Wow. Good to know, Chuck. I appreciate you. I appreciate you dropping that jewel on us. That's good to know. Yeah, because so don't that's go one by. Of the, that, that, that's, a major, that's a major selling feature that every, practically every low board, their ability and, 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 and how strong they are with their credit ratings. They, they, and, and I'm, I'm kind of, you know, it's, it's, it kind of makes your antennas go up a little bit because you're wondering, you know, kind of like my stance on some of the things with, uh, uh, um, with TIA and some of the other different things, um, you know, they, they never have a, I've never seen a, a broker being reported for, for, um, bad activities. That's a TIA member, but you mean to tell me that I'm, I'm not, disillusioned and thinking that everybody's squeaky clean. I, I know there's some bad apples out there. <laughs> so, yeah, there is. You know, you know, there's a, you're right. There, there are bad apples there. And I think that about 99% of them are real good. And right. even the real good ones will get into trouble sometime. And what will happen to them, and anybody who's been in business a long time can have this happen where all of a sudden you're going along well with a client and one of their customers goes under, and they take that broker out automatically because that broker is doing, you know, three or four hundred thousand dollars a month in business, and he finds out he's lost four hundred thousand dollars. Not every small broker can handle a four hundred thousand dollar storm, and that bond's only right, fifty that- or seventy-five for a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, and, and that's the risk of um, having too many eggs in one basket. Yes, sir, but that's that happens in business. Risk. You're right. Um, Rico, our biggest worry at our place, and we watch, we watch our receivables like a hawk, and there are very few in our receivables, on our receivables list that are over 45 days. And the odd one will climb up a little bit higher on certain ones because you get with these Fortune 500 companies and they'll miss a payment here or miss a payment there or short pay something for no reason, things like that, especially when you're doing hundreds of thousands of dollars a year business with them. But our biggest worry is the one that is within his terms, and he's the guy that goes under. You know, there, were, uh, there was a company up here in Canada that was the, uh, the main carrier for Target when, during their ill attempt to, um, to take over the Canadian market. And they got hit for $800,000. And it was Ouch. all... Yes. And that $800,000 was all within that 30-day period. Target paid all their bills within 30 days. And that poor carrier, not only did he lose $800,000, but he built a very expensive terminal worth about $25 million in order to cover the business he was about to get from Target. So it was like a double whammy. Mm, mm, mm. So you can't be too yeah, that, careful. That, 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 that's unfortunate. That's sad and unfortunate. Um, that's right. 
Chuck, we got a we got a few people that's got their hand raised. You wanna you want you ready to jump into some calls? Yeah, let's get right into it, Rico. Let's see here. Uh we got a caller from the four one four that was the first up that doesn't say it has a response. The screener tried to come to you. We're gonna try you real quickly, four one four. See if you get a, see if we can get a response. You're live and on air with Rico and Chuck. How can we help? Yeah, they're not responding. Looks like we're going to put them back on hold. We're going to go to a line that looks like we do have somebody on there. Um, Caller from the 706. My screen didn't put your number up. They said that you wanted me to repeat some some numbers for you. Yes, uh, the MC numbers. Uh, thank you for taking my call, Rico. I done pulled over. Uh, I couldn't write them down quick enough uh, on, on them brokers. Okay, not a problem. Uh, the good thing about this show is it is recorded. You can go back and listen to it. But there, there's uh, – I'll read back off a few of them real quickly. There's Tenant Truck Lines, Inc., MC number 146754, $37,000 in non-payment. This was reported on 3-8-2016. Uh, the, the next one is uh, GRS Brokerage, LLC, MC number 761-962. This report was generated on 3-2-2016, GRS Brokerage, LLC. They have over $14,000 in non-payment. Uh, Professional Shipping, LLC. This report was generated on 2-29-2016, MC number 865-904. FMCSA shows trust fund is canceled over $8,000 in non-payments. Uh, next report was generated on 2-22-2016, JAD Freight Services, MC number 527673, over $33,000 in non-payment complaints. Um, and the, the couple of big ones, that that, that one that I sh- uh, read off a little earlier, uh, the big one here, over 121000 the reports generated on 2-9-2016, um, that was Wings of, e- Wings of Eagles Logistics, LLC, MC number was 584 Six six seven, uh, hundred and twenty one thousand dollars in non payment. That's a big one. And so I'm going to try okay, to see uh, lot, there, is there a way that I can that I, that I can create a link and uh, try and put this up on the Facebook page as well. If uh, if I can get permission from the company to do so, uh, I might just be able to try to take a screenshot and put that up for you guys. But like I said, you should be checking against um, checking against them and also. One of the features on a couple of low boards have direct links to FMCSA, um, and, and Chuck was saying that the credit information isn't all that accurate, and hopefully FMCSA has that act together a little bit better than, than maybe some of the, uh, the the services here as far as this information is concerned, and keeping it updated and valid. So just like a broker, when you call into a broker, like I was saying, they always, you know, one of their standard operating procedures is to ask you for your MC number. You also need to make sure that if they're calling you that you get their MC number so that you, while you're on the phone and negotiating, this is part of the, the stuff that you go through and, and part of your negotiating as well to see uh, are they credit worthy. Um, and if they're not, you know, you may want to negotiate, hey, I, I'm, I may be willing to do the load, but, you know, you need to send a half of the con check now and half on delivery. So, you know, Anything, everything is up for negotiation at that stand, at that point in time, but you want to make sure that you are doing whatever you need to do to cover your backside. Anything you want to add on that, Chuck? Well, I want to warn everybody about a, an old scam that it's been going around for about 40 years that I know of, 
and it resurrects itself every so often. And the scam is a load broker gets a load of paper, let's say, going from Jersey to Chicago for, let's say, 1500 bucks, and offers it to you for $2,400. Now, there's not anyone out there that's listening that's not going to jump at a $2,400 load from Jersey to Chicago. He has no intentions of paying you. And that's What's usually the what if they do. That's right. And that's usually what these scam artists, if they're real scam artists, or if they're just, they know they're going out. And, and they know that they're going to be taking you for money. That's the last hurrah. Now, it is illegal, but, you know, in, in the United States, they have a hard time catching murderers, kidnappers, and terrorists. And once in a while, uh, they'll catch one of these characters or two of them, and they'll put them in jail. But usually by the time this deed is done, these guys are back on the other side of the world uh, living, you know, living on some island. So you just have to watch it. Number one, if it's too good to be true, it usually is. The other thing, guys, there's so many good brokers that are members of TIA. Why the hell don't you try to stick with them? If they're not, there's usually a reason. And, you know, and make and, sure and if they are members I, that they're in good standing. Well, I, I didn't have time to do it before show prep and, and probably would be a good idea. I'm, I'm really interested and intrigued. I'm going to go back and do it. I want to see how many of these guys were actually members of TIR or if any of them were members of TIA. I'd really be interested to see that. I, You know, I'll be honest, uh, we're members. I've never once seen a bulletin come across saying, watch out for this guy. But I would think that it's pretty, they just don't let anybody in. And I think that it's a, um, it's one of the better organizations I've seen. Um, and they do an awful lot for the industry. And I think that they are there to protect the industry as a whole and make it a better industry. So, I would uh, I would presume that they're pretty strict on that, but yeah, that's some, that's food for thought, Rico. Uh, check and see if anybody is on there. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I'm probably have to report that next week or whatever, and we'll probably try and make that a regular segment of the show to try to keep people aware of these companies um, and, and look into that as well. Let's go and jump. Let's see here. We got Christopher to have the question for us. Christopher, you up and on board with Rico and Chuck. How can we help? Hi, uh, Rico. L- listen, man. Listen, man. I- I- I'm just happy what you guys are doing, man. Because listen, somebody needs to call out these guys, man. You know, I- I'm 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 so saddened by what is going on because a lot of these cooks are going to rip- uh, ripping off drivers and getting away with it. So I'm 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 glad what you guys are doing. But I just want I I heard you giving out some information earlier, um, Rico. And you were saying that the rates have been up and all that. But right now I'm in New Jersey. I've been here from yesterday. And and let me tell you what I'm seeing on truckstop.com. Dollar a mile. Less than dollar a mile. You can't even negotiate. When you call the broker and try to get even $100 more, oh, we can't do that, man. I have a lot of people calling. So I don't know how we're going to deal with this. Because I, I'm telling you, I don't know which driver out there can run his truck. And, is, and and run a business on for dollar a mile or less than dollar a mile. I don't know, man. 
But can I'm, I answer? I'm thinking, I'm, 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 I'm thinking of fucking this up. I understand you, yes. Christopher. I totally understand your frustration. But unfortunately, the way the world works today, and I did not invent this. I was no part of the invention of this new world that we all live in. It's a live market. Trucks have become a commodity. They've commoditized trucks. And because of that, it's all supply and demand. If you notice at the beginning of the show, when Rico's giving the uh, the ratios of of, uh, of trucks and in and uh, loads. That's what everything depends on. And the information that Rico was talking about, first of all, is a week old. That's from last week. Right. This week, and what happens, Christopher, is people hear there's great money coming out of Jersey. Everybody runs to Jersey, and guess what? Everybody goes there thinking that there's good freight. It's like everybody runs to a, a pond or to a river because they hear there's fish and get a couple hundred guys and the, you know, and the pond is fished out in no time. And that's what happens in our industry. And that's why I really stress with anybody listening that wants to take this thing a step higher, don't be running wild. If, you know, if somebody's willing to give you $3 a mile to go to Jersey it's because the freight coming back is a dollar a mile. Nobody's being nice to you. You know, in the heat of the summer, you can get two or sometimes three dollars a mile going into Miami, depending on where you're coming from. When you're in Miami, you'd be lucky to get 50 cents a mile. So your key to success really is to run your business with a particular lane. Find out where you can go where you can make money steadily. You can't complain one week because the, the rates are lousy out of New Jersey, but meanwhile, you got maybe you got $3 a mile going in there. So and right now, real-time information that I'm – I'm going to chime in real quick. I'm going to let you finish up, Chuck, but right now, the real-time information that I'm showing coming out of Jersey right now, and, and which is part of the reason why you're struggling is – it's a one-to-one ratio. There's, there's literally uh, less than one load for every truck that's there. So basically, you have to understand you have to understand the nature of that particular portion of the market. So you have to make sure this is one of those old trucker sayings where they say you need to take your backhaul with you. You need to make sure that when you go to a market like that, and I understand which I and trust me, I feel your frustration. I understand where you're coming from with the, the whole aspect that there, there seems to be the market is really tight all over on the spot market right now. And there's there's very little negotiation taking place because you have uneducated people that really don't know what they're doing, and you then you have some people that, that, uh, that may have good contracts, and they can come, they can afford to take that cheap stuff coming out of certain areas and that's keeping some of the rates depressed as well. You know, some, a lot of it, is, it, you know, you just have to understand that right now you need to get the hell out of that market and reposition yourself to a better, to a better uh, portion of the United States. What, what area of the United States is you, are you domiciled out of, Christopher? Uh, Rika, but what, the, the, thing that, but the thing I'm noticing, man, is that it's not just in, in New Jersey. Wherever part I, I tried to put the truck and I checked before, for the rates, it, it seemed like it's the same all over. And I talked to my buddies 
and say, man, what's going on with, with the West Coast? What's, I, I, hear you, I hear you giving a quote for the West Coast that you're surprised about. I'm surprised also, especially coming down out of McAllen. Last year this time, the year before, McAllen was booming. I mean, everywhere you go, I mean, all over the states. I'm not, I, I don't see nobody getting $2 a mile unless you know the broker real well or something going on that, you'd, I, um, that I don't know about. But I try to make myself pretty knowledgeable about the business and talk to other guys who have been in the business for over 10, 20 years. And oh, everybody's crying, man. First of all, well, one of the things that you got to keep in mind, Chris, don't worry about last year. Go ahead, Chuck. I'll last year. One of the biggest things that that you might have to do, Christopher, just what I took you from my (laughs) from my brain to your lips, Chuck. That's one of the things (laughs) that I was getting ready to say, Christopher. You have to. And I had to come to this realization because I recently lost the contract myself, and I've been doing back doing a little bit more spot market work. And one of the things that I was looking at, I was so insulated by my contract that I really wasn't uh, uh, feeling the pinch of some of the stuff dealings on the spot market. And I had to go back and look at my cost per mile numbers, and I'm like, man, you know, I'm used to, I could just about on certain on certain lanes, I could tell you off the top of my head what that lane should be paying. Uh, but those were old numbers. I'm going based on back when fuel was four dollars, four dollars a gallon. Well, fuel now right. is averaging right around two dollars. You know, so you have to equate uh, for that. So, like right now, my cost per mile on my fuel side, my cost per mile for fuel is twenty three cents. My cost, my fuel cost per mile used to be somewhere in the neighborhood of forty some odd cents. So it was almost double what it is now. So you have to take that into into account. And I understand that it, it's hard to – trucking is one of those industries, and it, trust me, I, I feel I feel all of your frustration because the the income that is in trucking has, has kind of been so stale over the course of the years. I mean, you hear the old-timers back in the 70s that were making some close to the same rates that we're pulling right now to this very day. But, you know, it, it's a nature of, like Chuck was saying, it's a, we are a commoditized industry, and we have to be nimble, quick, and agile to adjust to whatever's going on in the market. And one of the things that we have to be up on and have a finger, have our post on, the, on, on top of our numbers, knowing what our actual operating cost is. So we can get, sometimes we can get um, um, disillusioned by, Previous numbers from last year, and man, I used to get this, I used to get that, but the market is ever changing, and we have to be a, we have to constantly be evolving and changing with the market, or we're going to get left behind. Now, that's not to say that you know, what I'm saying that you should be out here taking anything, any and everything, the cheapest freight that's going on, but right now in the market that you're in, just speaking specifically about New Jersey where you are right now. You need to get the hell out of there and and get to a better you know get maybe try and bounce over and see if you can get over to the Midwest or whatever to one of those markets that that maybe bring you back down into the southeastern portion of the United States that may put you in a little bit better position to be able to get a little bit more revenue and, and better income coming in you know um just just thinking out loud that might be something that you might want to try to do see if you can position yourself to get. Uh, if you got a couple of days, if you can bounce over to the Midwest and see if you can get a load coming to the Southeast, and that gives you a couple of more days if you're working that spot market to kind of be gauging the market that you're going into, but making sure that you're negotiating hard coming out of that Midwestern portion of the United States because that seems to be right now 
where the best rates are coming out of on the spot market. It, it, well, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, Rico, Rico but it, it's hard to even negotiate, man, because guess what? You have some guys, man, they will take the load for anything and run, man. Right, but that's what I'm saying. You have to get you, to an area. You got to get to a better truck load truck ratio in order, in order to be able to negotiate. Yeah, yes, sir. What are you saying now? Yes, Where sir. are you domiciled out of? Say, say again? Where do you live? I live in Georgia. Atlanta, Georgia. Live in Georgia. Okay. I got some advice, okay? Yes, sir. This will help you be successful. First of all, go and uh, get a load going towards Georgia. Even if it's 95 cents a mile. Yes, I'm, I'm, headed, I'm, I'm, head, I'm, heading, I'm heading to Macon right now. I'm, you got I'm a load on? to go to Macon. Yeah, I got Good. a load to go to Macon. Good. Okay, that's your start. Now, you need to make a decision. If you're going to go back to Jersey... Get enough no. money knowing <laughs> that you're going to get 95 cents a mile, okay? But right. what might happen, this is how fickle this industry is, by next week, everybody listening to this, finding out about the one-to-one ratio, everybody may say, I'm not going near Jersey. And there may be a ton of loads that pay a lot better. That's how this right. market works. Right. But you may be better right. off to find freight from, you know, Jersey going towards Arkansas, or I'm sorry, um, Georgia going towards Arkansas. That may right. be a better lane. I don't know. Uh, Jersey just, has not hard. been a great lane in years. Yeah, it's just hard to find what loads type of, what going type of, that what type of equipment? What, what type of equipment I, I are got, you running? I, I got a reefer. Okay, you're running reefer. Okay, yeah, so yes, definitely. Which, what you want to do, because you 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 you're right here in my backyard. Coming out of Atlanta, you want to stay. You, you want to stay out of that that northeastern portion of the United States. Uh, you want to try to run mainly, if you can, back and forth between um, Atlanta, and you don't want to want to go. I call it past the Mid Atlantic. You don't want to when you're going up that eastern. You don't want to go past Maryland, really. If you're going to run up the eastern portion of the United States, you, don't, you really don't want to go past Maryland. Um, you stick it, stick back and forth in that in that area right there. You should do halfway decent with the rates. Uh, pretty good load to truck ratios out of those areas as well. Uh, and, and running back and forth right now between like areas like um, Atlanta, North Carolina, Kentucky, um, uh, Indiana. Those areas are, are pretty decent right now. You can do pretty decent with rates, especially with the reefer. Um, you can, and, and, and you can be sufficient. Uh, even right now, it's, it's tough coming out of Georgia right now. Uh, but yeah. some of the stuff in Georgia is getting ready to start to pick up as well. Some of the produce and stuff, peaches are getting ready to come in the season. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a couple of things that the outlook is not all doom and gloom, but, you know, it's one of those situations where we definitely have to be tightening our belt, that we're looking at our, our, our numbers, and that we're definitely taking advantage of putting ourselves in good if you're running spot market, we're putting ourselves in good good places where the load to truck ratio is in our favor. Um, you know, you you say you run truck stop. Truck stop has a feature called uh Pentac, uh I think it is. It's, it's Pentac where it gives you the uh amount of loads coming into a particular state and the amount of loads coming in. So it's it's kind of uh it's a little bit different than what DAT's product is. It, 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 DAT has a more um, direct load to truck ratio, but it's also, but it's still, you basically have to do the math, and it's, it's basically the same thing, um, gives you close to the same information. So definitely you want to be looking at those different features on your load board and, and understanding before you go to an area what you're getting yourself into. 
how are we? I call you back some other day when you're when you're on, man. I have another question for you. I'll I'll just get off now. Thank you, truck. And um, Thank you. you know, let luck, let some let's let's let some other guys um get their question in. All right, appreciate you there, Christopher. We appreciate the phone call. And let's see here. We got Carlos that has a question as well. Let's go to Carlos. Carlos, hey, you're on you board with Rico and Chuck. How you doing, y'all? Good. Good, sir. How about you? I got a cool. I'm doing pretty good. My question is, is um, I'm looking into trying to purchase uh, some equipment, and um, the customer that was, I was talking to, he referred me to a guy who was doing power only for moving trailers. So I Googled their name, and I seen what was called a Dun & Bradstreet number. So my yep. question is, is what is a Dun & Bradstreet number, and how does it help you in your business? It's a Dun's number. Uh, means that the number, they're registered with Dun & Bradstreet, who is probably one of the oldest credit agencies in the United States. Um, and But really, you should be able to go to them and get accurate information. Now, I know that the information that they report on the Canadian version of uh, DAT, which is called LoadLink, is not accurate. Uh, but how you can get accurate information from Dun & Bradstreet is you can per, uh, subscribe as a company subscription and you basically buy um, you buy their services so they'll give you for let's say for $300 they'll give you 50 credit checks and those credit checks have value They're, you know those okay. you pay for remember there's value when you pay for things right right so that's right. really what right. Dunn's number is it's that number that is assigned to a company that's registered with Dun & Bradstreet now, does that help you if, as you, when you once you register, does that in return help you as far as maybe um, getting customers or you know moving freight or anything like that? Um, you know what? I don't know if it's going to. You know, Carlos, I don't know if it's going to help you in obtaining customers necessarily. It's certainly going to give you credibility when you go into a customer and you give them all of your information and you have a Dunn's number, they may go, oh, this guy's good. You know what? He's got that too. Uh, the one thing it does give you is when you're, God forbid, when you need a repair and you need to get it on credit or you need to get credit up the road, you're helping to build yourself a good credit report. As long as okay. you keep your, you know, credit is a privilege and you need to oh, keep yeah. it intact. So. <laughs> Okay. You know, with that in mind, Carlos, if you get a Dunn's number and you treat it with respect, uh, you can do very well. And that means that, you know, you run your business properly. And that means that you don't have to go to the expense of, of factoring companies and all the rest of it. Right. And, uh, right. You're going to make more money. You know, many, many years ago, <clears throat> I'm talking over 30 years ago, I had a very good friend of mine that had a truck line of about 17 trucks. And the man made, uh, this is an interesting story, but I'll tell you how good things were in the late 70s and into the 80s. He had 17 trucks. He would write one off a year. He had no wow. He had no collision insurance whatsoever. He was self-insured. Instead of buying collision insurance, he bought an extra truck because his averages were one a year. He got, um, 
in those days, he was probably doing uh, two or three million dollars a year in business, and oh, wow. um, he he used to get audited statements that cost him back in those days about twenty five thousand dollars a year. And I said to him one day, I said, Mike, why do you bother getting audited statements? He said, because this way I get better uh, interest rates, and I also um, everybody wants to lend me money, and. From that, he was able to buy a piece of property worth $250,000 that he eventually sold for, if I'm not mistaken, about $35 million. So if everybody out there is listening, that's the value and the power of having great credit. Wow. Man, I appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Well, and probably, and probably, uh, one of the things that I was going, I was going to add, every, you know, with the Duns number, that's good to have. But definitely, as, as a motor carrier too, one of the things that might be more beneficial uh, to help you out with some instances is the uh, National Motor Freight Traffic Association, your SCAT number, the uh, SCAC number. Um, you need that, yes. Okay. Up with those guys. Um, just to put that out there as well, make sure it's it's only I think it's maybe a annual sixty bucks to to join and get your get your scat number and, and to keep it. I think it may be sixty sixty bucks a year. Your Dunn's number is free to get. It's free to get a Dunn's number uh, to apply the standard way, but they they offer some services at Dunn and Bradstreet where you can kind of get it the same day. Uh, it's not necessary if you don't want to. If you got more time than money, you can just go ahead and get the free one. Uh, but they definitely uh, dmv.com, uh, Don and Bradstreet.com, dmv.com. You can go there, and they have uh, a litany of information available for you right there as well. Cool. Well, thank you. I'll sit and without back, listen and enjoy the show. <laughs> Thanks, Carlos. We appreciate the call, Carlos. And what I'll do is I'll get up and 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 put the uh, link up to uh, Dun and Bradstreet up on the Facebook page. Now, Chuck, that frustration uh, of of Christopher's call—that's something that's been um, really, really, really been pertinent going around with a lot of people. That everybody's talking about. Um, and I know that you had guys have the uh, oldest brokers in Canada. So tell us, Chuck, why are your brokers not negotiating with these lows no more? I'll tell you, Rico. Um, my head hurts right now because I wear two hats and I have to change them so often. And, you know, from the broker end, I cannot, when I'm looking after my customer, and remember, an awful lot of my customers today are playing the spot market themselves. More and more of them are getting us to bid on each load. So, if I want to go and I want to pay Christopher a dollar eleven a mile instead of a dollar, I'm not going to get the load either. See, so that's the pressure that the brokers are under. And as a carrier, I certainly feel Christopher's pain because half the day I'm helping my guys make those calls when they have trucks stuck somewhere, and I'm getting the same stories that he's getting. But you know darn well, when there's 500 trucks sitting in uh, in Des Moines, Iowa, and there's 20 loads, that rate's going to be nothing. And there's nothing we can do because we have all signed up to live in this live market, except those 
that are are either fortunate enough or have um, have worked it out such a way that they are they have steady runs with their own customers or even steady runs with certain brokers. And you know, there's all sorts of things, and we've talked about it before. There are things that we can do to protect ourselves. You know, um, Christopher was complaining about his, you know, dollar a mile out of Jersey, but Christopher never told us what he got to go into Jersey. Now, if he got a dollar a mile to go into Jersey, that wasn't a very good run. If he got $3 a mile to go to Jersey, I don't really feel that bad for him. And, you know, when we're telling people, well, don't go to Jersey and don't go to New York because the backhauls are lousy, Go there all you want, but go there for big money. You know, maybe put on what I call a big fatty, a load full of LTL, and run into New York from Atlanta for 4 or 5 or $6 a mile. It can be done. If you're patient, you work hard. Uh, you know, there's all sorts of uh, brokers that are looking to move those, you know, five and 10,000-pound loads uh, throughout the United States because the – most of the big big guys, the uh, the you know um, the large LTL carriers, they don't want those ten thousand pound loads. They really don't want the five thousand pound loads because they can't really maximize their equipment. They want those uh, those two hundred pound skids. That's where they make their money. So I think that the right. future for a lot of us, especially going into those markets where the backhauls are so horrible is just charge enough. You know what? If you're getting five bucks a mile to go into uh, New Jersey or New York with a load of, you know, let's say six uh, deliveries, it may take you an extra day or two. Uh, Big deal. And big deal if you have to come back for a buck a mile. You're still way ahead of the game. Like we always talk about, uh, do the hard work. Do the work nobody else wants to do. Nobody wants to go to New York or New Jersey. But that's where the money is on the one way going in there. Right, right. And and that's that you know that like you said, you got to find a way to crack that nut. And and if you can perfect the way to crack the nut, then there's money to be made there. There's definitely money to be made there. Um Oh yeah. Um you know, if you have uh air freight uh coming out of uh JFK, there's all sorts of it. You know, align yourself with if you're running in there all the time, uh spend some time and call some uh, air freight companies. Uh, little secret: very few uh, air freight shipments that go within 500 to 1,000 miles on this continent ever see an airplane. They travel on an right. airline bill of lading, but they will never go on a plane because the plane, uh, the truck will beat the plane almost any time. That's amazing because of the handling. Good stuff. Good. And, and I tell you, the other thing, uh, Chuck, is that right now, what are you seeing? What are, What are some of the different trends that you are seeing? Or do you think that we may be, you know, I, I, earlier in the year, I was a little more pessimistic. I had, a, I was a l- little more bullish on the outlook of of what we're coming down the pike. And um, I'm starting to see some things that look like we might be moving, inching slowly in the right direction. Kind of give us your feel, what you think, what's your pulse of the market right now? I think certain areas, I think your manufacturing belts 
in the United States are on fire. I think they're doing phenomenal. Uh, having just toured your country for the last 10 days, or for 10 days, I can tell you the the state of Ohio is on fire. Um, you know, Kentucky seems to be doing well, Tennessee, um, those right, states right. where there's manufacturing. On uh, Saturday night, my wife and I were coming through Ohio, and we stopped around north. Of, uh, well, first of all, we stopped in Dayton. She needed to go to a an outlet store to buy something that we couldn't get up in Canada in the same color or something. You know, women are like that. And, uh, <laughs> and we went to one of those outlet stores, and i got to tell you, the place was just packed. And this was late in the day. It was about 5.30. And then we started heading north, and we stopped somewhere around Lima for dinner. And this is a telltale sign of how good things are. We could not get into any restaurant. You know, at the side of the highway, they have Olive Garden, and they've got, you know, restaurants like right. that. Um, and right. Red Lobster, restaurant, you know, we were starving. Restaurant, yeah, I call them the restaurant rolls. That's right. And they kind of the, line up all the restaurants. That's right. And the only one, one of them was 20 minutes, and I didn't want to wait 20 minutes, and it was a dirty-looking steakhouse, um, and wow. I didn't feel like steak anyways. And then there was a, a Tex-Mex place. It was 45 minutes. The... Um, What's it called? The Olive Garden was 45 minutes. They were all that long, and we just got in the car and kept driving, and we ended up in Monroe, Michigan. Now, there you had the total opposite. Monroe, Michigan, being in Michigan, being what it is, the place was like, you know, it looked like a bomb had hit it. Uh, there was nothing going on in the streets. We went to a, a wonderful little Mexican restaurant, but there was, that was the only restaurant open in the whole town, and that's just uh, right at the... Um, at the south end of uh, of Michigan before you hit Ohio. Um, but it just shows you the difference because Michigan is is still having a real tough time uh, where Ohio is on fire, and so are a lot of those rust states. And those rust states, they'll carry, you know, they'll probably uh, carry the torch. The It'd be pretty hard for, I think, for anything to happen really badly until after November. Um, they'll hold this thing any way they can because it doesn't look good for anyone if there was a recession right now. Now, Canada's not in the same boat. Um, we have, as I've mentioned before, our outbound out of this country is uh, is non-existent. Uh, Canada's turned into Denver or Boston as far as backhauls. You know that gentleman, Christopher, uh, was talking about Right. You know, a dollar a mile freight, which in Canadian money is about a dollar thirty-five, um, standard out of here a lot of days. Um, you know, that's that dollar thirty-five per mile. Um, that's a standard outbound rate if you could get it. You can get the load. Um, so, and that's because we dismantled our manufacturing uh, base. As, you know, back in two thousand and. Eight when our dollar became equal to yours. Before that, we had a very strong manufacturing base, especially in Ontario. Uh, now, Quebec, which is about 350 miles to the east of me, uh, they're doing better because they have cheap hydroelectricity. Um, so that's really helped them, and their manufacturing base seems to be doing a little bit better because of that. And the rest of the country, right. they don't manufacture a whole lot. You know, um, 
our prairie provinces they're you know they're they're hurting and uh british columbia all i can say about that place is the nice place to visit you wouldn't want to buy a house there because a tiny little bungalow will set you back about three or four million dollars in vancouver so nobody can afford to live there unless you have money from another country so you know that's what we're seeing in canada so we blew through that hour. If you want to, we don't. Have, I don't think we have any more questions. No, nobody has their hands up right now. I got a okay. question, but I'm, I'm kind of intrigued to. I'm kind of intrigued to maybe if, if I should save it for the next time you come on, or should I go ahead and give it to you now? I got Let's a couple do it because we never know what's going to happen next time. Maybe a bigger thing we got to deal with. <laughs> all right. All right. Well. Okay. First question is, um, what is your do you think it would for for to get involved with the um some of the smaller guys, would it be beneficial for some of the smaller guys to maybe look into getting involved with uh intermodal as far as getting getting in with the uh UIIA? Is that yeah, a, what do you think about that strategy from, from, from a smaller from a smaller guy's perspective? I think that working, uh, if you can, you have to, you have to pick exactly what you're going to do. Um, rail is efficient, and there's some rail programs in the states. I heard of one that was fascinating, where they were taking rail, uh, they were using rail, uh, putting trailers on the uh, on the rail from one end of Missouri to the other. Now the problem. With rail, the way it's going, it's changed. Where we used to do all intermodal, and you could, uh, there's a wonderful rail service we have for, here up in Canada, for example, that goes from Quebec to Ontario. So it's a, it goes from Montreal to the Toronto area, which is about 350 miles, and you put your trailer on the um, on the train, and you know six hours later, seven hours later, you can pick it up, and it's cheaper than running your truck. The challenge with intermodal in the future is they're getting rid of all of those flat cars they used to haul the trailers, and they're going to double-deck containers. Now, the problem with double-deck containers, they take an awful lot longer to unload than a uh, 53-foot trailer. So you've got twice the, twice the amount of time um, for unloading. So it really depends where you're going. You know, if a if a small guy can get into the rail game, let's say between um, St. Louis and L.A. and and be able to do the drayage on the other side, if two small guys do that, yeah, there's a uh, you know there's a good future in that. But they have to have the time available. And remember something, you've got all sorts of operators within the United States that are doing it already. That are um, you know you've got the Hunts, the Schneiders, the Swifts, all those big guys. They've been doing that for the last twenty years. So you've right. got to they, 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 they are, they, yeah, they, and they are starting to get in, and they're starting to squeeze out a lot of the smaller guys. But the reason I brought that question up is that you know it's it's kind of it's wacky season down here in our country. It's 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 uh, you know uh, political. You know it's election time. So you know, oh, yeah. no, no matter what side of the aisle that you fall on, 
you know, I I I kind of refer to it as wacky season because you know I'm an independent. I I don't I don't necessarily fall on one one end of the spectrum or the other. Uh, I <clears throat> but it's it's been really uh. <laughs> It's been it's been almost like comedy hour down here looking at some of these debates, and oh, yeah. um, I agree. And, and listening and listening to, <laughs> and listening to some of the uh, the stump speeches and everything. <clears throat> but one of the big things, of course, is you know uh, uh, everybody's talking about uh, getting getting trucks off of the road um, and and you know building high speed rail systems, and and I'm I'm thinking that you know. If that seems to be a, a way, really trying to go move things into that direction, and I, and, and a lot of the uh, ports are drudging and, and making it making their uh, ports are making it bigger so bigger cargo ships can come in, and, and different things of that nature. And I'm just trying to think from from a from a business analytical standpoint. You know, maybe it might be there might be something that you know where they say there's smoke, there's fire. It might be something there, and you know, I just figured, you know, while we were here amongst our small little group of friends here, might be worthy of a discussion. I, I totally agree with you. Um, it's definitely the future. It's cleaner. Um, it works better. You know, we've gotten into this thing in the last thirty-five years, and I was one of the guys that got into it right away with just in time. And you know, when I got into selling freight. Um, almost 40 years ago when I first started Traffics, um, and I used to go and see a potential customer, and I would see a, in those days up here, there'd be a Maislin trailer or St. Johnsbury, and I would say to a customer, well, where's, where did that load come from? And the guy would say, New York. And I'd say, well, how long did it take to get here? He'd go, three, four days. And I would say to him, well, I, can, uh, I could do that in 12 hours for a quarter of the price, and they used to laugh at me. And that's how I built my business. And in those days, people expected to have to wait three or four days for a shipment that was going 500 miles. Today, we're all spoiled. All the shippers and receivers are spoiled. And they're expecting, uh, just like the automotive guys, they're expecting a shipment from the loads in St. Louis uh, that's 850 miles from Toronto. If it loads in the morning... It needs to be there, you know, the next day around noon. Uh, they time everything. They time those plants. And the whole world has gone crazy. And especially with money being as cheap as it is, and interest rates aren't about to go up, I think that just-in-time is the stupidest thing I ever heard of in my life and that people need to carry inventory because if they did carry some inventory, they can lower their transportation costs. They don't need it as quickly. Right. And I remember getting right. into this rip-roaring argument with my son, Doc, when he was in university out in our driveway one night about 3 in the morning on our way home from work. And, uh, you know, he was so such a believer of, um, of just-in-time freight because of some idiot professor he had at uh, Laurier University. And I said, no, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about, you know. Um, just-in-time freight costs too much. To, it costs more than it's worth, and I still believe that. So if we go back to a little bit, I'm not saying we should go back to the way it was totally 40 years ago, but if we go back a little bit and companies start holding inventory, a little bit of it, then we can go and get some trucks off the road, which we're going to have to do, 
because you know what doesn't make any sense you've got this you know a new truck up here uh in canada in canadian funds uh a new sleeper cab is somewhere between 160 and 200,000 dollars for one truck i don't know how much they are down there um it doesn't make any sense because you can't make any money using that asset for 11 hours a day. So trains are really the only way, or we go back to the hub and spoke where Chuck runs that truck, his truck for 12 hours and he grabs a hotel room and then Rico gets in that truck and he runs it for 11 hours and it's somebody else. And that's how it's going to have to work because of these new laws. So really the laws are dictating that, rail is going to have to prevail in future, especially when all of the states eventually are going to get on to this carb thing like California. Right now we're okay. It's just California. But, you know, our uh, I think tonight as we're having this conversation, you know, a great American and a great Canadian here, uh, down in Washington, D.C., uh, a great American and great Canadian, uh, your president and our prime minister are having a dinner, and during that dinner, they're talking about climate change. And these are two young guys that probably don't necessarily love the trucking industry because we belch out a lot of dirty, dirty fumes. All right. And you will see, you know, rail makes sense for that. And the other thing that makes sense that nobody's even uh, has, is even mentioning what you have in your country, you've got wonderful waterways that aren't being used. Right. Now, we have them here um, along the uh, shores of the Great Lakes, but we certainly don't have the volume. Uh, but, it, you know, people have proven that it works. It just, it's clumsy, but it could work. Um, but it won't work as long as people are willing to run trucks for a dollar a mile. But when you buy that $170,000 or $190,000 tractor, you're not going to be able to run it for a dollar a mile, even if the thing gets 20 miles per gallon. Exactly. So I think you're right on with the rail, and I think that everybody out there listening can, if he or she wants to, can be a participant in that new world of transportation through, uh, you know, somebody has got to go to those rail yards with a container and pick up those, 53-foot containers from the rail yard and deliver them to the customer and either drop them there or deliver the load and bring it back or reload it. So I think our worlds are going to change um, because there won't be, there'll be hardly any reason for RICO to run from Atlanta uh, all the way up to Maryland because you would use a train. But there would be a good opportunity for RICO to take his truck and uh, take a load from Atlanta to Macon. That would make sense. Right. And that's how I think we're right. going to see things change. Yeah, I, I think that um, and the other question that I have for you is and this this has kind of been a hot day. We, we've kind of touched on it before and everything but and I'm seeing a lot more people still talking about it still but the ELDs and shippers, 
being shippers and receivers, getting trucks loaded and unloaded in a timely fashion. How is that ELD going to affect being able to actually get detention? Where do you fall on that argument? Um, it's not going to, you know, as long as our industry has people that will give it away for free, we're never going to be able to charge for it. That's the problem. And, you know, and, again, I hate to get – we keep going back to uh, Chris in New York or New Jersey. Uh, you have some poor driver that's stranded in Jersey, and he gets into a door, and they take three and a half hours to load him. And he gets it signed on the bill, or else what happens is he says, hey, you know, I, I signed in here. It's, it's 12 o'clock. Uh, you know, it's 3.30 now. I'm just getting loaded. Um, and, you know, guy would say, get out of here if you don't like it. What are you going to do? And until the law has some teeth in your country, uh, this is ridiculous. There was a uh, Peter Fazio from Oregon. Uh, he's the only one that has stood up to the plate, and I haven't heard or read much about him lately. But when this first came out, he said, right. well, I'm all in favor of it, but you need to make the shippers and receivers responsible. And then some of the and big see, guys. I don't know. You see, and that's where I think that, you know, you get you get as much political influence as you can afford. And I think that their pockets are a lot deeper and they are a lot more organized than oh, yeah. the trucking industry. Because like, like we were talking about before, we're so fragmented. And, you know, normally if you get five truckers in a room, you can't, you can't agree, you know, they, they're going to disagree on what color the sky is for the day, you know. That's right. <laughs> it, it, it's true. It goes, you're, you know, um, you're right on the money. And, you know, the big guys, I think, are better at it, and that's why they're big, um, you know, and they always have been. Uh, they will work as a consortium. They will work together. Um, and I think a lot of us small guys don't have that mentality because it's more of every man for himself. You know, we see it all the time where, you know, you deal with a customer and you fire the customer because they're so bad because they don't pay their p bills fast enough or they deduct stuff they shouldn't be deducting. And so you stop giving them service and there's 20 idiots in there doing the same thing. And when those well, I think 20 it's idiots... Time, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to reach out to you a little bit, a uh, little, little bit of... Uh, maybe tomorrow or later on in the week, uh, I think it may be high time that we actually start putting some meat on the bone for that, 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 that long, that dream that we've had about talking about trying to put together this, uh, you know, trying to put together some type of a, of a consortium of, of our own, uh, as far as, you know, I, because I think that, um, for the smaller guys that, that understand what we're dealing with, I think that, you know, you get enough like-minded people together. I think that we can create, so some momentum in the positive direction uh, to actually uh, affect some change in the industry. We just have to have enough numbers to be able to do it. Rico, i got to tell you something. It's not just the change that we would affect. It's the profitability. Because all of a sudden, you know, instead of having one truck or five trucks, you are part of a fleet of, of 2,000 or 3,000. And you're treated differently, and you get your, you get your perm. It's so much cheaper to 
to permit 2,000 trucks per truck than it is to, to permit one truck. You know, you have a department that does that. It, it's economy of scale. And that's what the right. the small independent trucker needs today because of who we're competing with. You know, we've got some tough, tough competition out there in the big guys that are good. They do a, you know, they do a good job. Um, you know, and some of these guys are, are monsters. Uh, they've got very large organizations. And, and they're brilliant, and they're good at what they do. Um, you know, I remember having a meeting many years ago with the guys uh, from Schneider's. They came to see a terminal that I had uh, that I owned in Toronto, and they were going to rent part of it. And they were telling me some of the things they were doing, and this goes back uh, 25 years ago. They were making deals with International to build trucks during certain times of the year when International... Uh, had room on their production line. Their dead months, they would buy the space. They were buying. Wow. Um, they That's were smart, buying, though. That's smart. Th- these guys were brilliant. Uh, Don Schneider, may he rest in peace. He was a bloody genius. They were. They wouldn't buy engines through International. They just went to Cummins themselves, and they say, you know what? We need a thousand engines. They sold it to them. Wow. How many filters do you buy, Rico? Well, you buy three filters altogether, right. four filters, depending on what you have. Schneider's was buying truckloads of them. Guess what they paid for a filter? You know, everybody <laughs> out there listening, it was paying, this week was paying $2.02 for a gallon of U.S. fuel. I bet you those big guys are paying $1.60 or $1.70. Right. That's how they can do it. And we're never going to compete with that unless we band it together. And and, and and the people that are members of NASTIC that are still, you know, listening in, you understand this concept because just like, you know, that's the, the way that NASTIC was able to do with their fuel purchasing program, where we are able, if you are members of NASTIC, to get this, you know, the same discount, if not better than some of the big fleets, is they were able to pull the resources of the largest segment of the trucking population, which is the the, the mom and pop, you know, the, the, us us small guys, the guys with less than five trucks, we make up the bulk of the industry. And it, but we're just so disorganized and and dis, disunited that we don't have uh, we we don't have the the uh, buying power or the purchasing power as some of the bigger outfits. And if, but if we can figure out a way to harness that power and utilize that capacity, boy, I tell you what, some change, some big things yeah. could happen overnight. You're right, Rico. You know, we don't all have to drive, um, you know, beige color or orange Freightliners, but we could all run on the same tires and have a tire yeah. program, and and you know, it just goes on and on and on of what you could do. Exactly, exactly. Well, Chuck, we're getting ready to getting it's getting into that uh, one hour and thirty minutes. I don't want to keep you too much too much from your family and everything. Like, man, that Rico no, guy he gets on. He don't know how to let you loose. <laughs> so, Chuck, hey, wrapping you know, up, I, is there anything you want to you want to leave us with? You want to give us uh, how can people reach you, contact you if they got any questions? Uh, by all means, if you, awesome. freight, if you did you need freight me? Move? Yep. Uh, well, fr- freight it doesn't. Uh, we have all sorts of different freight all day, every day. 
Uh, we run a lot of freight out of interstate freight, reefer freight, out of uh, the produce belts, uh, California, Arizona, Texas, uh, depending on the season, uh, that goes all over the U.S. Uh, through our brokerage department. We do have some flatbed and some dry freight that comes up every day. Uh, no steady lanes. It's all just whatever customers need. And uh, if you need us, give me a call. We'll start it there. I, I'm kind of uh, hands-on. My extension is 203, and the phone number is 800-388-4352. Uh, our website is www dot traffics.com that's t-r-a-f-f-i-x and my email address is real easy it's chuck at traffics.com if you call me or email me i will call you back and i'll give you some answers if you need them thank you sound sound like a plan chuck we appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule once again to come on and join us and drop some jewels with us here on the race and lanes podcast and ladies and gentlemen, I am Rico Muhammad. We're getting ready to sign off here from Atlanta, Georgia, wanting you guys all out there be safe and be profitable. Definitely, like Kevin Rutherford says, master the journey. But we also want to, before we get out of here, we want to make sure that we give props out to those who help us make this show possible. Um, my wife and daughter back at home, shout out to them for doing the call screen and also we want to give uh, big shout-outs to Kevin and Lisa Rutherford who helped us make this podcast possible. And we'd be remiss in our duties if we didn't acknowledge the entire Less Truck team as a whole team in the background that kind of helps put this thing together. And so we definitely want to give kudos and shouts out to the entire Less Truck team. Thank you, you guys. Same time, same place next week. I think we will have Mr. Transportation Attorney Henry Seaton himself on board with us next week. So, you guys, if you got legal questions, now would be a great time to start jotting those down and writing them and having them for Mr. Seaton when he joins us next week. Be safe out there, everybody. Thanks again, Chuck. Thank you, Richard. You have a great evening. Be safe, everybody. Bye now. Hey, you too. Bye. Thanks for joining us on Rates and Lanes. If you like what you heard here, leave us a rating and review on iTunes or listen to our other shows at audioroad.letstruck.com. To get in touch with our tribe, call us at 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Thanks for joining us for the ride down the audio road.